All right. Well, yesterday we had um, some really beautiful truth. It was about being sealed, how we're sealed as believers. You know, the moment that we receive Christ, we're sealed. That means his, his love have, has stamped itself and impressed itself upon us. It's a stamp of approval. We are. We're not seeking approval. We already are. By God. <laughs> and that's why it doesn't matter in Romans 8, verse 31. God for us, who against us? In other words, what it's saying is, if and he is, God is for us. Does it even matter who's against us if God is for us? And he is. And we talked about the sealing and how important it is and how important it is to in our experience, to be constantly sealed and impressed, sealed with his love experientially. It's very, very important for all of us. And uh, there's many reasons why. The main one we want to, uh, that God wants to reveal to us this morning is in Genesis, we're just going to read from Genesis, the third chapter, and then I'll read from 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. In verse 1, it says this, Now the serpent was more subtle. And that's the word we want to focus on. God would have us to understand this morning. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, his God said, You will not eat of every tree of the garden. So he has, an, he has here, this reveals, he has an available instrument. <laughs> Okay, and he is, we know that it's the enemy, and he's speaking through something, right? Through, through creation of God, which happened to be at this point, I mean, at this time when we understand it and when we study it. It was the most beautiful animal that was created. Its beauty was above any, and of course, that's the one that he chose. It's very interesting, too. I, I thought of these things, too. Uh, the subtlety of the enemy. Um, and I wanted to look this up, I forgot <laughs> to look it up. But also in Luke 10, verse 18, Jesus said, I beheld Satan falling from heaven as lightning. And I don't know how quick that is, but I guarantee you it is super fast. It's super quick. And as God was bringing this out to me this morning in my own life, he was teaching me that his subtlety, his deception... His evil, deceptive intention is so quick. That's why we need to keep our shield up at all times. In other words, understanding the person and work of Christ that is for us and has sealed us. And boy, I, I just think of how quick. I mean, I could, I have. I, you could read the Bible. You could be so blessed by God with the word. And then in a second, we could just be instantly <laughs> subtle. He's so quick when he comes in. Not that we would operate in it, but it would come quickly. The subtlety is so quick. And, of course, that's why the, the Bible teaches us just how weak we are. I mean, we're just very weak. Even as Christians, we're in Christ, but we'll always be weak in ourselves. But in him, we are we're strong. That's the seal of his love. Now, we said yesterday in 1 John 5, 18, be the wicked one touches us not. That's our position. He can't touch us. He can't touch the position. That's reality. So what does he come in to go against in our growing process, our experience? That's what he goes after. Is it based on truth? 
No. Is it even based on power? No. It's based on a lie, his subtlety. So it says here, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, All right, quick question. The first thing that he does for us as believers, those that are in Christ, is he argues against the character of God and the integrity of his word. Instantly. That's the constant argument. Through a question. We begin to question things. Right? And when we question them, and, and Christ isn't our total reliance, what do we usually do? What is the thing that motivates us? It's not love, it's fear. Fear, that's what his subtlety is all about. It's, we're going to fear something. Because obviously, huh, we heard something that, mm, and we got out of the character of God that we are in Christ. In 1 John 1, 7, we walk in the light. And that's his word constantly as he is in the light, and we have fellowship with, with one another, and the blood of his Christ, we continually experience the truth of our position in our experience. That's what 1 John 1, 7 is teaching. It's not teaching behavior. It's not teaching, listen, you're behaving wrong. It's, what it's saying is this is your character. You're not functioning in it. <laughs> this is who you are. This is your proper identity. So he gets, to, he gets to question. He uses a beautiful instrument. I think it's very interesting, too. I even thought of it about even advertising. Okay, what would cause me to already have a, a decent phone? What would cause me to get another one? Oh, they make it so appealing to the eye. It's appealing. The light glistens off of it, and it's like, whoa. I gotta have that, whoa. And that's how the enemy operates. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14, he is an angel of light. But is it light? Isn't that why Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 23, if the light that be in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? How subtle, great there is really is what he's saying, how incredibly subtle it is. And of course, his subtlety for the believer, his subtlety for the unsaved is to keep them in a place of deception in Revelations 12, 9. But for the believer, to keep them in a place of accusation. God has this against you. That's basically what he was telling the woman here. And, the, and so, immediately, should she have answered him? Is, do we even need to answer him back? Right? And the woman said, so he got her in a place, and he got her in that place because a question flashed in her. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the, free, of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now, do you think the enemy already knew that? Okay. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you will not eat of it. That's all he ever said. But what does she do? The instant we start, we allow the enemy for us to question God, what do we do? We add, neither will you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said unto the woman, finally, look at, listen to what it says. Listen, you will not surely die. I mean, you heard the truth, you heard the word. And, and all of that that you're hearing is against you. It's to cause you to die. It's all against you. 
see? And you, listen, look, you don't, listen, no, no, no. You're not going to die. You don't have to do that. You don't have to receive that. Flash comes in. No, no, no. He said unto you, you won't die. For God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened. Your eyes are going to be opened and you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. Of course, when the woman saw that the tree, she saw that flash. <laughs> Whoa, I got to have that. Whew. Doesn't matter what my other re responsibilities and accountabilities are. Ah, I saw that. Whew. I want that. No wonder it says um, in, in Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, again, just be Kent content with such things as you have. Just be content. For he said he won't leave you nor forsake you. Right? In other words, he'll let you know what you need and what you don't need. And he knows what you need, and that is rest and love and, and a constant seal of his love, and he's going to take care of you, and he'll tell you what you need, even of the material things. But you can't reverse the order in Matthew, the sixth chapter, um, in those 34 verses. It's, it's, it's what happens is when you reverse the order, okay? And that's through subtlety. He's very, very subtle. So when the woman saw, right, she perceived in her mind through that light, that thought, that was understanding, that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant, it was pleasing to the eyes, right? Advertising today? Come on, how do you sell things? How are they packaged? Even the packages are appealing, aren't they? Yeah. See? Ooh. I got you. <laughs> the enemy, I got you. <laughs> Listen, that's why it says in Ephesians 4, verse 27, give no place to the devil. That's, again, and the reason for that is Ephesians 4, verse 26, be angry, but sin not. Whoa. Okay? Your, our anger is to be righteous comes from a place of rest. If it's not, it's a place of self-defense in the flesh. Because then we're trying to determine good and evil with the lie of the enemy through the flesh. See, the only he told them what he said was true. He never gives you the full truth. He'll give you just a little bit. It's okay. It's all right. You have freedom. You, you, this is all right. You can do this. Okay, fine. Right? You can do that. It's, it's not so bad. He told them, if you eat of it, you will be as gods, to know good and evil. And he was right. He just didn't tell them they would know it in a fallen, ruined, devastated state and condition. Boy. Yeah, the thief definitely did come. And this is when he came, and he's still coming. Can't touch position, but he's still coming. In John 10, 10, 8, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Christ with that seal of his love, but who we are in Christ, has come that we might have life. And what kind of abundant what? Abundant, an abundant love life that seals us. And you know a seal, we said, yes, it speaks of authority, protection, security, genuineness. We're genuinely his, not our own. Ooh. Thank God for that. So we see that, that subtlety. Now, you see that from Genesis. There's the start of man and his fall. That's all of us in the flesh. This is what we operate, any of us, 
what we operate in apart from Christ. When the enemy would come in with a, so quickly, I mean, you could be having the greatest day, then whoo, this thought comes. <laughs> and whoa, it comes. Because he wants to get us to operate as believers in the flesh. This is what happens when we do watch. This is Genesis 6, verse 5. Now, from Genesis 3 to Genesis 6, you have mankind. He's starting to fill the whole earth. But look what happens. You can see this. And you can see what they did in 6, 1 through 4. We won't get into that. There's two separate arguments about that whole thing. Uh, and we won't get into it. Some say that the sons of God were angels, fallen angels. And some say that it was the men. Irregardless of that, we won't get into that this morning. This is what we see, and there were giants as a result. This is what we'll see in verse 5. God saw the wickedness of man. Mankind, apart from Christ, was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only what? Evil continually. That, listen, again, that's the flesh in us, but we're not of it in Romans 8, verse 9. Now, the Hebrew brings this out. This is how it brings out the thoughts. Not just the thoughts are evil, but all the purposes and desires, notice that the desires are continually evil. And I need to know the difference between a godly desire, because if I don't understand godly desire, I will, through the, through the light that is really darkness, call it fellowship. I will call it fellowship. But we know that the word kinonia in the Greek in 1 John 1, 1 through 3, fellowship, is the setting aside of personal interests, interests and personal desires for the benefit of the whole. In other words, our whole life. Because where Christ is about others. <laughs> oh, the Lord, help us. Oh, boy. That's my prayer for myself and Honestly, for all of us. So it was the whole purposes and desires. Even up to the flood. Even up to God. Again, still waiting to be gracious. But did his grace accomplish anything? No, because their wills were not submitted. Watch what it says in, in Genesis 8. Verse 20. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled a sweet savor. Okay, that's, the, that's a type of Christ coming up and in, in the Father's sacrificial, self-sacrificial love has sealed us. Listen, self-sacrificial love has sealed us. We're no longer of self in a proper position. What's the experience? The Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, his heart is his whole continual thought, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Why? For the imagination of man's heart is, is what? Evil from his youth. Oh, God. From the time he's born in Psalm 58, verse 3, neither again will I smite anything anymore, living thing on the earth, as I have done. Now, God wouldn't do that, would he? Because he's love. He, he wouldn't do that. Well, he did. <laughs> he did. Now, here we are in 2 Corinthians. All the way to 2 Corinthians. Nothing has changed 
in, even in the flesh that's in the Christian, but they're not of. And God is constantly with the self-sacrificial seal of his love telling us, again, this is who you are. This is not who you are. Okay? Okay. I am against this in you, but this is not you. (laughs) We need to understand that. This is not you. I am against what you're functioning in that is not of me and your own unique individual character and image in my son. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11. And he happened to be talking to the church at Corinth, a church in Greece. And this is what he was saying to them. Now, the church at Corinth, they didn't lack any spiritual gift. They didn't come behind any other local assembly. But even with all their gifts, they functioned in the flesh with them. And even the gifts that they had, were you, they were using for their flesh. But this is what Paul would say to them. And then as a result, as a result, here he won them to Christ. Here he taught them continually. And then with all the teaching that he taught them, they took that in the flesh and went against him. If you, if you read 2 Corinthians, what you'll see is, and when you study it honestly in the mood, the tense, the case, and the voice, it was, it was sarcasm. But it was love, though. Sarcasm against the flesh. Boy, if we understood those things in so many scriptures. There's just so many things. But anyway, this is what it says in, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly. What he's saying is... You think I'm, you think with a counsel that I've given, you're receiving it in the flesh and you're coming back to me and calling me, you're a fool. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Basically, that's what he's saying. It's very sarcastic. If you would just bear with me, but he, re- listen, he, he wasn't saying, I'm treating you after your sarcasm. Even in your sarcasm, please listen to me. That's what he's saying. Please listen to me. Because he's attached to Christ and Christ is flowing out. Indeed, bear with me. Please just put up with me, even in your sarcasm. Please just listen to me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. I mean, how could I not be? You have been sealed. God sealed you. He stamped you as his own. And, And you know that I espoused unto you one husband, one head. I didn't espouse you to myself. Matter of fact, to the church of Ephesus, he said in Acts 20, 32, I commend you to God, not myself, not a board of elders, not a pastor, not, a, not an apostle, not any man. I've espoused to you one husband. Okay? And so I commend you to God. And it says to the word of his grace in Acts 23. Who is the word of his grace? It's Christ, his son our head, our one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, are we in our position? Yes. How about our experience? Are they both equal? Are we growing? We are. Look at what it says. But, but in areas separated from the purity of who they were in Christ and their experience, he said, but I fear Lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted 
Listen, from the, from the simplicity that is in Christ. Oh, how simple it is just to trust him for everything. Just to rest in him and just to actually, come on, and then to know it continually, that he is all in all in Colossians 3.11, that he has sealed us, everything about us, that he's leading us through, that he's going he's gonna to perform in Job uh, 23, verse 14, the thing that he requires, but it just requires my will and submission for that, that he requires and fulfilled just to flow in me. Then I don't see, I don't see a God as my enemy. And I don't see other believers as my enemy. It doesn't matter where they are. They're just not. They've been sealed no matter how they function. It just doesn't matter. And so even Jesus, when he, said, when he was saying to the Pharisees in Matthew, the fifth chapter, in verse 25, he was saying to, they, were, they considered Christ their adversary. They did. Don't we in the flesh, come on, in all honesty. You know, remember how we've shared, God shared with us the word, how they played the blame game. They're always blaming someone else for their own lack of responsibility and accountability. That could be ignorance or just outright stubbornness and rebellion in 1 Samuel 15, 23. That's the flesh in us. That's not going to change. Two things don't change about us. Flesh that's in us and who we are in Christ. <laughs> There's got to be a separating growth process in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. But even when he was saying, he said, okay, he's saying to the Pharisees, and some interpret this brutally wrong. Okay? Christ wasn't saying to them, they were adversaries. He was saying, okay, I'm your adversary, but why don't you why, just agree with me? That's all he's saying. And we can think everything's adverse to us. Well, what isn't to the flesh? You tell me. In your flesh and in my, what isn't adverse? What, it, what thing can't we find? See? What thing can't we find? So, but in that sense, he would even say to us with the seal of his love, listen, what is he saying to us? You, you consider me your adversary? Well, okay. But agree with me. And when you do, you, you'll see the seal, your own personal seal, because every one of us has that stamp of approval on you. You are already approved. You are accepted in Ephesians 1, verse 6, in the Beloved. And we've been sealed. And we went into that um, yesterday about the seal. But I'm gonna, this is the word for the subtle in Genesis 3, verse 1. Listen to these meanings. This is the word subtle. It's from the Hebrew word arum. And in that sense, in that sense, hundreds of times, that subtlety is always in the passive voice. It's passive. And listen, when I'm not thinking under the seal about who I am in Christ through submission, I will be passive. And in that area of passivity, that's where the subtlety comes. The subtlety. But this is what that word means. It means to make bare. For the Christian, uh, doesn't make any sense. Things don't make any sense. Oh, do they? What makes sense to the flesh in the Christian? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. There's no purpose. 
I have these random thoughts. I get caught up in these random thoughts and they're coming like this. How fast are they coming? Like lightning. Luke 10, 18, the enemy. He flashes like lightning. Thief. Steal, kill, destroy. Constantly. Constantly. To make bare. And it's only, listen to this, it's only in the derivative sense. You derive it. I'm passive. I'm not deriving the reality of who I am. Huh? What am I going to derive? If I have not love, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5, I am nothing. Nothing makes any sense. Nothing's any good. I'm not. Yeah, because we're knowing ourselves after the flesh. And the words come, the word that comes in that would separate it in the flesh, when it's not received in the spirit of truth, it's against me. It's not for me. It's not for me. I remember a certain individual. That's this individual's initials are Mike Fenton. <laughs> Ooh, I always give the initials like that. I remember. And we were sharing on this verse, and I remember him sharing on it. There's certain verses that people share, and then it's almost like when God brings it to my memory, he brings the person too, a lot of times, right? Here, listen, here's what happens. Here's what happens. This is, this is Jeremiah 23, verses 28 and 29. The prophet that has a dream, let him tell a dream. We don't do that anymore, by the way. I, we dream, but, you know, forget those too, by the way. <laughs> And he, and he that has my word, that's what we have. We have his word. Let him speak my word what? Faithfully. Now, right? Speak the word faithfully. What is the chaff? Well, the shaft to the wheat, says the Lord. That's the flesh that seeks to control the Christian, who they are in Christ. Right? But to speak the word faithfully, what must happen? Look what it says. I remember I'm sharing this. Is not my word like as a fire? Ah! Oh, oh boy, says the Lord, and like a hammer. Oh, boy, it seems like the word is hammering me. Is it hammering who you are in Christ? Is it? No. Me? I got the hammer but only because it's a rock of resistance that breaks the rock in pieces. What is that? That is the thing, the subtlety that becomes attached to the will and keeps us in bondage. Things don't taste good anymore. But they used to. But now I'm in a process where God is separating, sanctifying me experientially. It doesn't taste good anymore. It used to taste good, Psalm 34, verse 8, but I lost my taste for him. Why? because I got the taste for other things. Yeah. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets. Listen to this. All those prophets. And they may preach certain things that are true. A lot of things that aren't. That, says the Lord, that steal my words, every one from from. His neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, that use their tongues, and they say, He says. What does that mean? Well, do you remember in the scripture, and I'll just turn there and I'll, I'll read these. 
Remember we said in Genesis 6, 5 and 8, 21, the thought, purpose, design, desires of every single one of us when we think outside of Christ is only what? Evil continually. Right? The babies, they come out of the womb. Psalm 58, 3, they speak lies. Why? Conceived in iniquity and sin, we were brought forth. With a sin nature, Psalm 51, verse 5. Here's the point. This is when we know when the enemy has got a hold of us in an area and he's subtle. He's subtle. And it was a flash. It was, it got a hold of, it got my attention. <laughs> Psalm 10, verse 4. The wicked, who's the wicked? An unbeliever. When we function in the flesh, do we function just like the world? Are we any different? No. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Look what it says. God is not in all his thoughts, meaning God is not in any of his thoughts. Is there one thought about who we are in Christ in the flesh? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Now, this is Psalm 50, verse 21. These things have you done. You've done them. It's been a habit of your whole life. And there was a time when God winked at those. He passed by them in Acts 17, verse 30. But now there's a time, and God has that time in our lives now, where we need to change our mind, repent. Do about faith, about face. Pride in this area, pride, stop. Humble yourself and receive. Can't receive anything unless we're humble, right? Psalm 50, verse 21. These things have you done, and I kept silent. You thought I was altogether such a one of yourself. You thought all your thoughts, designs, plans were of me, but they weren't. But I will reprove you. That is, for the believer, that's love. That can, that can be chastisement. And set them in order before your eyes. He wants to set things in order. And for us to function properly, do we have to function in order? And who is God's order for us? Who's God's way, God's will, God's word? It's who we are in Christ and who he's made us individually. So when I look at that word again, okay, even in Genesis 3 verse 1, where it is that word, which is our Rome, it means again to be to what? To be or to make bare. He wants to make us bare. Listen, through passivity. <laughs> and there's going to be times when God has us rest because we're tired. That's not what we're saying, please. Let me make that crystal clear. <laughs> Lest the enemy can get a handle and start beating us on it. Like, I know what people need in their own lives, do I? I don't even know myself. <laughs> when he speaks to me, like he speaks to you, he speaks in love. And when we have love, that seal of approval, he's speaking to us in peace, and then we can rest. Again, again, listen, he holds us accountable for what we know. Not what, even what we're in the process of learning. What we know, that's why James 4, 17, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is evil. Huh. <laughs> so simple. Well, to make bare, and it's only in the derivative sense. I derived it from somewhere. And it's the idea of to be smooth. Boy, he wants to make it so nice and smooth for the flesh. Listen. It's so smooth. I'll give you what you need to figure it out. <laughs> Apart from God. Because for the believer, I'll give you 
I'll give you because I know what the flesh needs. Do you think he knows that better than we? Do you think he knows that? Does he have spiritual evil genius, but complete? Yeah. He knows because he gave it to us. <laughs> Smooth. To be cunning. Listen, crafty, sneaky, unexpected. Someone said this a long time ago. I forget who. Maybe you've heard it with me. The unexpected part of the plan of God will find me out. It'll show me right where I am in my experience. Something unexpected happens. Well, something unexpected. So now we get to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I fear lest by any means, and will he use any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, there's that subtlety and beguile, we'll get into that uh, the rest, at, at some point, I believe, what that word beguiled is. You'll see that in Galatians 3, verse 1, and so forth. But here, beguiled Eve through his subtlety. Now, who is Eve? She's a type. Who is she? What is she to be? She's to be a responder of all the initiation of a proper head who's completed everything about her. All she has to do is receive it. So simple, isn't it? Isn't it simple? We just have to receive. No, we got to do. <laughs> we have to do things. Because after all, and do we even know what things we should do apart from Christ? Subtlety. So your minds, listen, so your minds would be corrupted. What would corrupt our mind? Genesis 6, 5, 8, 21. The thoughts, purposes, and designs, even of the flesh that's in the Christian. That becomes the counsel. That becomes the counsel. From what? From the simplicity that is in Christ. It's so, listen, it is so easy, so easy to submit and receive. What makes it so hard is the resistance. That's what makes it so hard. So here, this is, listen to what the word subtlety is. It's panagoros, it's panagos. In, in the uh, Greek, it's P-A-N-O-U-R-G-O-S. Panagos. Listen, this is the first meaning that it means. It's all working. What is that supposed to mean? It's all working. Okay, this is what it means. And this is why it's so necessary for us to keep up the shield, to constantly be in a place to constantly receive and grow, right? And grow in that. Because the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy in John 10, 10a, he is always working, never ceasing to get an area in our life. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't take a millisecond off against us. He's just looking for that one area. One area. That's what he's looking for. He's all working. Subtlety. He is always working. All working. He is adroit, meaning he's very shrewd, very crafty. And let's see. This is what this word, panagos, is made up of. It's made up of two Greek words. Here's the first one. First part is pass, P-A-S. Okay? And this is what that word means. All forms. Remember, subtlety, right? Panagos. All forms of subtlety. 
all forms. If you read it in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, if you look at 3, 1 through 5, by the time you get to 5, look at, look at 3, verse 1. The times that we're in, are they difficult, stressful, and hard to deal with? Yes. What makes them that way? Look at verse 2. Men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. They'll put everything about themselves above everybody, first above God, above everybody, and they'll think it's okay. It's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. It, and, and is that the flesh and the believer? Come on. We all know that, don't we, at this point? <laughs> you know? Right? For our flesh, against everybody. For God, love everybody. <laughs> right? So it's because men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. So now there's all kinds of forms. They have a form of godliness. They form these imaginations of what God is like. Remember we read that? They, you thought I was altogether like you through these imaginations that you have, these subtle imaginations that got a place in you and that attach themselves to your will in Psalm 50 verse 21. You, now you think you're like me. Like the enemy thought he could be like God, even above him, in Isaiah 14, 12 to 15. Well, here, again, his subtlety, it's past. Listen, it's all forms, listen to this, of declension. You decline. You decline further and further and further. Do you ever feel like that? In times in your life, you felt like, this is so awesome, the fellowship and everything is awesome. Then there were periods in your life, it's like this gradual decline you felt like. And you got, it just seems like you got further and further and further away from God, didn't you? That's the separating process. You feel like everything's against you. Circumstances, situation, details of life, people, Christian, everything. And this this decline. Right? But where did the decline happen to the individuals in Genesis, the third chapter? They gave place to the enemy. Then when God called them into account about it, they refused through subtlety and through deception and through pride, they refused to take accountability and responsibility to God. They started blaming, really, ultimately, God for everything. No. Adam, what'd you do? Uh, well, you know, if you hadn't given me that woman, God, <laughs> you know, if this other Christian didn't treat me this way, I wouldn't treat them. And no, they treated you that way. God allowed it to bring out in you what needed to come out. The blame game. <laughs> I don't want accountability, responsibility to God. Please understand, we're already sealed. Nothing can change that. You know, when a king, we said it yesterday, when he put a stamp of <laughs> that was it. Done. Done. Completely. Can't change it. Can't, you cannot change who we are in Christ. You can't. But in position. But does the enemy try to do that somehow? That's why it says in Proverbs 24, 21, meddle not with them that are given to change. Stop getting intertwined and mixed up with them. Be careful who you're with. And if you're with them, if it's the purpose of pure fellowship in Christ, not likes about certain things in certain areas, <laughs> that's not fellowship. It's not. It just doesn't. You may, we may like certain things, but is that fellowship what we like? What we like, material things that we like together, is that fellowship? It's not. And we can like them properly, you know, 
I don't know, though. That one's a tricky one. I'll leave that one up to God, like I should anyway, and the individual, like I will for me. So that, that uh, panagos is from PAS, P-A-S, all forms of declension, all, any, and every thought, everything that's outside of Christ is this. I will form God to my own thinking. As a Christian, I'll do it. Because the enemy is far more subtle and far more powerful in his lies than you and I ever even thought of being. We may think we know enough of the Word of God to be protected and in a millisecond be led astray. And there's where the loving affliction in Psalm 119.67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But does the flesh like being afflicted? It's against me. God's against me. God's against me. This is like, no, it's not. It's for you. You just don't realize it yet. But it still doesn't stop his love for us because we're sealed and we're not our own. We said that in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We're not our own. So we have that, all forms, all forms and every single thought. Okay, now look what it means. So we know in all, it's all forms of declension. Every single thought, right? And listen to what it's from. And it's from ergon. E-R-G-O-N, which is from ergo, E-R-G-O. Look at what it means, to work. Mm -hmm. To toil as an effort and an occupation. You know that, what the enemy does with the believers that refuse to submit to Christ, that refuse to submit to the world, or don't have it? Their constant life is a struggle of toil. And now, because this is so hard, I got to be occupied with other things. I got to go here, I got to go there. I got to have this new thing. I got to have all this stuff to make me satisfied. I got to dress a certain way. I got to have certain things. I got to be with certain people that have likes like me. So I escape the toil. But all it is, is what? It's toil. So it is in, in every thought. Every thought is toil. I'm constantly struggling and arguing. Really, the argument is with God. It's not the individual. It's not the circumstance, the situation. It's none of that. None of it. It's just the fact that the enemy has got us. Lightning. Whoa. He's got us in the flesh. And all it is, it's just constant toil. Oh, my God. When will this end? Hey, (laughs) it ended. You're dead. You died. Colossians 3, 3, you died. Your life is hidden now with Christ and God. What's it hidden from? Pride. Pride. It's hidden. It's hidden. So, there's, is there rest? No wonder Jesus even said to his disciples, and he was teaching kingdom teaching, where there will be rest for those that are truly submitted to him during millennial reign in Revelations 23 and 4. The fact of the matter is, that's why he said to them in Luke 19, 13, occupy with me till I come. What does that mean for us? I don't care what it looks like, what it, what, what it is, trust him. He's with you and he's gracious being with you even when you don't know it and understand it, can't see it, can't feel it. He's still there. He'll never leave us nor forsake us in Hebrews 13, verse 5, triple salutation. He'll never do that and just rest until his timing and his provision meet you. But in the meantime, is he enough? 
Is he worthy of our trust? If he's not, the enemy will come in and try and separate us. You need this thing. Ah, oh boy. You need this. You know you should be obedient in this area. Okay, you know you should, and I know I should. But the will not instantly submitted, oh boy, off I go. Off I go. And this is the truth of the matter. As we begin to wrap this up this morning, this is where all you get all these other isms and truths and all this. That, for instance, a big thing today, honestly, and right in our, it's literally right in our backyard, like within 10 miles, and then you go a little further into another place that's called Pittsfield, about 18 to 20 miles, where they teach Lordship Salvation. Lordship Salvation. What is it? Does they even have a place? Nope. What is it? It's just another, listen, subtle way Satan has invented to get Christ-believing, Word of God-believing men and women to add works to their salvation. I got to add something because I'm not already complete. I have to do something. The enemy's convinced me that through the teaching of the Word, all it wants to do is separate me from that, wants to convince me through a lie that I have to do it. No, you have to just, and I have to submit to it. (laughs) Did Paul have a will of his own till he he literally met Christ face to face? Uh Do we? Oh, God. All the problems are right there. Nobody else is your problem. It's that flesh that's in us. And by the way, is it solved? Is it dead? So that's God's concern, is it? It is. So, but why? Because you know what he does? He makes it subtle. It sounds spiritual and it sounds good. It's okay. It's good. You know why? Because if you follow it through where we are in 2 Corinthians 11, you look at verse 14. Listen, look at verse 13. For for such a false apostle. What's an apostle? Messenger. Can I be a false messenger in the flesh? Call it fellowship with other believers? Mm Mm-hmm. For such are, what, false apostles, what, deceitful workers. Subtlety, deceived. He's got the whole world in Revelations 12, 9, deceived and in his control. Transforming themselves into the apostle of Christ. Can that be the flesh in a Christian? Hey, uh, you know, I can't say, I know that area that you're functioning in is wrong, but I can't say anything because I'd be a hypocrite because I know there's areas that I still function in that I like and that I know are wrong. But let's have fellowship. <laughs> it sounds spiritual and good. Does it? Sounds? What is that? What's a sound? What is that supposed to mean? Well, here we are in 1 Corinthians 14. Again, he's dealing with a local assembly of believers that are in Christ. Listen, they are sealed with his self-sacrificial love. That's their character. And he gave them gifts and they're functioning in them in the flesh. That's why he said in 14.1, follow after love, but desire spiritual gifts. What's a spiritual gift? Can I have a gift from God and use it in the flesh? Eh, absolutely. But rather that you may, what? Prophesy, or if you're not having a gift to preach and teach, at least you can receive that and be an ambassador and share it. 
But by the time that you get down here, look at verse 6. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, tongues here again is known languages. They're historical known languages. It was never some angelic gibberish. <laughs> we want to do a booklet on that too to clear up all these things. Some of them have to be really short, and this one can be short and sweet, but with tongues. What will I profit you? In other words, if I speak Chinese, you don't know Chinese. Is it going to sound like a bunch of gibberish? Yes. Come to you speaking with tongues. What will I profit you except I will speak to you either by revelation. Do you hear that? Even the word that's preached, it has to be by revelation. It has to be experiential truth. Right? Or by knowledge or by prophesying or by teaching, doctrine. In even things without life, listen to that, even things without life give sound. Ooh, what did I hear? Did I hear something that wasn't life? Whew. Did the enemy tell me I can get life by doing this thing, buying this thing? Buying these things? I know what I should do. Well, I don't think I can meet my dad, but I want this thing, and it's okay. <laughs> Jeez. Yippee. Whoa. Even things without life given sound. It's okay. It's okay if you do that. No, and no one has a right to judge you. No, that's true. That is true. Nobody has a right to judge you. But my God, if we don't live in self-judgment of the flesh, we're going to function in Christ. For even things without life giving sound, whether by pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, the tunes, the melody, how will it be known what is piped or harp? Boy, this even goes into what we would call Christian worship, by the way. <laughs> not just the words, not just the lyrics, it's the beat. There's no question about it, but we're not going there. Now, verse 8, for if a trumpet give an uncertain sound, Come on, don't we know the uncertain sounds, but we still listen to it anyway because it appeals to us? Can we do that, any of us? We'll give an uncertain sound. Who will prepare himself to the battle? When I'm not prepared, and I know that the battle is the Lord's, I get in the flesh, I enter into toil and struggle because this is a battle. Who am I battling? Who does the enemy have me battling? Others? God? He's opposing myself in 2 Timothy 2, verse 25. He gets me to oppose myself. Where? In the flesh. Everybody's against me. That word's against me. Everything. My second, my situation. The people don't accept me. We should accept each other in the flesh. Not judge. Not judge. But how about just being transparent without judgment? How about that? And, and who can really take that? Gosh. Look, <laughs> right? If the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself to the battle? So likewise, except you utter by the, the tongue words, words that are what? Significant. That's what easy is. Significant. They have a significance. Remember we talked about primary security, where he doesn't tie his love to our performance. And when I have that security, now I function in significance. I count. <laughs> Listen to this. Here's the flesh, though. Right? So likewise, except you utter, and this is experience and revelation. Remember, in Revelation, we just read that, right? We have to speak through that revelation. 
in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 14, out of by tongue words significant to be understood, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will speak it into what? And who's the prince and power of the air? Ephesians 2, 2, it's the enemy. Listen, there, there are, we're closing, there are, it may be so, many kinds of voices, thought forces, imaginations, projections against the believer, against the reality of the positional seal of God's self-sacrificial love. They've been stamped. You mean everything to me. Look what I did to get you. Look what I've done to take care of you. You are, you are significant. There's nobody like you specifically, this is who you are, this is what comes against you, and there are many voices that come, in, that are in the world. We are in the world, just like Jesus was in John 17, verse 14, but he wasn't of it. And we're in the world in 17, 16 of John, but we're not of it. But we can submit to that voice, right? There are many kinds of voices in the world, Satan's system, look it, and none of them is without signification. None of them without to do something because the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And let me tell you, that's not who we are in Christ. He's not against us. He's for us. He sealed us with a significance and an image and to shine through that and be one with him like no other believer can. That's how significant you and I are in his love for us. So, Father, we thank you for this and we by your grace, I believe we should continue this as you would lead us all. We can't lead ourselves, but we can follow you with a submitted will. And hopefully this will continue tonight and maybe even tomorrow if that's your will. So, Father, thank you and praise you and protect us. Each individual here, every single person that hears this that's yours, please protect them with the beautiful, unchanging, immutable, seal of your self-sacrificial love, what you did to win every one of us to give us a brand new image. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.